private club where nobody knows what you're doing. Okay, we're we're streaming now, I believe. Uh, setting up meeting for Facebook Live. Tells me meeting is now streaming live on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, nobody probably knows we're here because we didn't put any commercials out or anything. Yeah. yeah right. I hear some feedback. It's um, on you. What What do you mean it's on me? I feel like someone is playing the live stream. Now, talk once. Someone talk. Uh, hello, check one two DKP back again. Okay, I don't I don't hear feedback anymore. That was weird. All right, well, we are back. Why don't you MC Titus? I'll I'll put a commercial on 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 the pages. Okay, sounds good. Well, we've taken a break, um, and I've detoxed from the Dank Kingdom for a while. It got to be a little much for me. Um, but I, I thought to myself, self, I need to talk to these three guys again because that was always a good mm -hmm. time. So here we are. Yeah, we missed it. That's the extent of my emceeing. <laughs> um, Ja, where have you been? Are, are you still stalking the, the Dank Kingdom or are you just totally spending all your time on MeWe? Not very much. Um, yeah, I I am uh, not on Facebook much at all anymore. So, are you on MeWe actually, a lot? I'm on MeWe some. In, what do you do yeah. on MeWe? <laughs> oh, I hang out in a few uh, with yourself. Few, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, Matthew. I hang out in a few uh, in a few anarchist chats. There's some interesting people people lurking on on MeWe um some right. some real free thinkers so they keep my mind active what about you blanky dave anything new you're holding out in the dank kingdom oh yeah no that's uh that's a pretty important community to me um as far as the dank kingdom yeah i've been i i go by spells i'll step back sometimes just when i get um mentally overloaded um need a break but um i'm still pretty active there are people still posting in the original group or has Curtis kind of taken over all the hype? The original DKC is a lot more chill. It's a lot. Of, it's, it's basically just a haven for mostly OGs and a few hangers on. Um, yeah. None of that's bad. So the, but the drama is over on uh, the sweatshop, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Cool. Well, well, Anthony, what caused you to forsake social media in, in search of greener pastures? Well, I, I'm hearing an echo again. Um, yeah, me too. Got to be one of you guys. I don't hear it. Um, I still can. Anyway, the uh, what actually happened was that I deleted the Facebook app off my phone um, because I didn't want to be using it on an impulse basis. Um, it obviously, like I felt like if it was worth worth uh, doing, it was worth doing intentionally. And that was almost like going cold turkey. I didn't expect it to be like that, but um, 
I just rarely had enough of a sense of, you know, I need to see what's going on on Facebook that I would actually log into it on my computer and go visit it. And, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what happened. And I kind of liked not being on it all the time. Um, I missed a lot of you guys. Um, I didn't miss the drama that had been going on just before I ghosted you, but, um, but yeah, it, it's the last time I logged into Facebook, I was like, what is going on? I see this uh, savage sweatshop and, um, <laughs> and I clearly, clearly life has been moving on and meme groups have been proliferating without me. Um, well, a month is like a generation for a meme group. I know it is. It really is. The drama is the fun. Exactly. Drama is fun, but like it, it, it can really wear on you unless maybe you're a certain personality. Right. Um, I actually, I get a kick out of it, but, but um, it also like to keep up with it. Um, if you're like, if you're doing a lot of trollish stuff online, um, even if it's justifiable, um, you have to make sure that your time is being, your time in real life with the people you live with is being spent well. And, um, so that, that was a, that was a thing for me. And yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm doing better on that. So did you just delete the app and stop engaging because you didn't want to compulsively look at your phone and don't really have any really deep uh, ideological opposition to it? Or do you have a case to make tonight? Oh, well, I've got, I, you know what I think about Facebook. Um, I was only there because my friends were there, um, which is exactly how they maintain their stranglehold on people's social media lives. Um, but because like uh, 85% of the people maybe that I know that are on Facebook hate Facebook. Um, like that's, they have terrible customer satisfaction. Um, but well, they have great customer satisfaction, but you're not the customer. So um, that's like, they're, they're hijacking you and selling your attention. So um, yeah, I don't like using it. So I'm really happy not to be on there. Um, in the sense that, like, I'm not happy to be away from people that, that I interacted with there, but I'm happy not to have their, um, like, their advertising network wired into my, into my neurons, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good break. I, I, I don't know who hates Facebook. That's like, I, I don't know. Why, why would you hate Facebook? Like that's like hating Amazon or McDonald's or, or the local I hate Italian McDonald's. restaurant. And I don't like Italian yeah, I, I, food. Like to, if you don't like the food at McDonald's, don't eat at McDonald's. But why would you see McDonald's as like some kind of mortal enemy? Like that don't make no uh, sense to me. Because, because much of the stuff we've spent, much of the stuff that we've spent the last, you know, the, previous season of this podcast arguing about or discussing that's like society going crazy like our collective sense making co completely collapsing is a direct result of a combination of factors of which a really big um 
part is the way that these social networks are built and they are not and and there's no way to fix them with the business model they have there's no way they can do anything but what they do and there's nobody that can stop them except uh, except the users by getting off i i don't know that i i don't know that i buy that um i mean it, i certainly buy the business aspect of social media that's that's apparent they make they have profit margins we can read their profit reports but but so does every other every other thing that i use so does apple so does walmart so does i mean everything in my life is a commercial enterprise and and i it makes no more sense to be for me to to take uh, some moral exception to social media than it does to take a moral exception to verizon or, or, or National Grid, my power company. Like they're all so, making profits and they're all providing a service. Like, did, I, did you understand me to say that I think people should not make a profit on services? Because well, that was not my argument. I'm trying to understand what people hate about Facebook. So let, let me not, interject not here. Not that they make a profit. Not at all that they make a profit. So let me interject here because we were talking about this, Matthew, and I asked you the question, what other explanation do you have for the way the United States is so divided? And then and you gave a bunch of historical examples of other times when America and, and other nations were divided and fell when social media was not present. So I, I understand right. that. But in each of those instances, if, if you're a good historian, you can look back and, and perhaps find why those nations divided and fell. There's, there is a cause generally. And people. so I think I, people, yes, but, but there, there's uh, circumstances, there's, you know, divisive leaders that rise, whatever. Um, so I think what we're saying is, yeah, there's other reasons why nations fall, but like, I think that Facebook and social media is at least part of the equation of why the United States is so divided based on the actual way their algorithms work like anger creates more engagement than warm fuzzies like that's a psychological reality and so but that was true with the big three in the in the in the news world in broadcast news for 30 years if not 50 or 60 before social media right well, well go broadcast back to yellow journalism it's the same thing right it's always what yellow journalism and any in the big three broadcast media did not have was the ability to watch every single consumer of their content and see in real time exactly how many fractions of a second they spent looking at everything on the page and then constantly in real time tweak to show them more and more and more of the features of the very features that they spent half a second longer on and and until so that so that what they didn't have was a way in real time to simply, and what they also didn't have was the level of science and understanding of our psychology to know um, exactly how to, how to create content that is the most, that, that hooks the hardest. Like there was a lot going into, if, 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 if you've given, given yellow journalism another, another, you know, hundred years to, to, uh, perfect their art maybe you would have gotten something like this in print yeah I, you couldn't have because some of the tools simply weren't there but the point is that they have been able to those things were bad so why would i mean 
let's say yellow journalism was bad and divisive, why would you want that um, like empowered a hundred times? Because that's what Facebook is. Well, but it's it, but you're only telling half the story. Like what what they also didn't have was what that the consumer of broadcast media didn't have was millions of choices. Like look at the death of print media in, in that's come from social media or the expansion of small media enterprise or or our ability to podcast all these things like for us to get on on here and complain about social media like a only tells half the story and B is biting the hand that feeds us. Like we exist, like our friendship exists because of social media. This podcast exists because of social media. I have, I have a whole huge that domain of my social world now. That's really edifying and wonderful because of these things that I always hear these boogeyman stories about. And I'm like, who hurt these guys? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Go ahead, David. Hey. Um, I hear what you guys are saying, but to me, this is not the point that I was trying to make. And the point I think Matthew is making is people are people. And what we're seeing now with the way that social media is, uh, the, the bad side of social media is the equivalent of yellow journalism 100 years ago. They didn't have, you're correct, they didn't have the technology. So the bad things that they're able to do in the, in the, you know, the muckraking and all these things they're able to turn that up to 11. But to me, this is the equivalent of saying that people are getting, you know, killed a lot more because we have guns that can shoot a lot faster. Well, people have been killing each other with rocks for a gazillion years. Um, by gazillion, I mean about 6,000. Uh, but uh, <laughs> had to get that in. But the... Um, were you there? We're just talking, <laughs> we're just talking about a different, um, uh, like turning out the technological ability to do what people have always been doing. So I'm listening um, to, I'm yeah. listening to amusing ourselves to death by Neil something. Have any of you ever read or listened to that book? Neil who? It's like it's an anti, I forget. It's a pretty popular Postman? book. Yes. Neil Postman. I'm sure it's, Postman. Um, it's, it's a rant against TV essentially. And it's it's really good and, and it's interesting that he wrote he wrote that back when when TV was was coming into play even before social media which I'm sure he would hate even more. Um, but I, I think that that saying that all technology is is equal as a tool is not accurate. For example, reading a book is different than watching a, a two minute clip on social media about the same topic. Like there's. A book engages you in a certain way. It is a technology, um, and and I really like. I really need to read this book um, rather than listen to it, uh, musing ourselves to death because it's so packed. But he because it's really amusing to listen to it. <laughs> yes, um, he gives a lot of of evidence for his case that I, I can't remember right now. Um, but basically, our technology actually it, it interacts with humans and, and even changes the way we think, for better or for worse. It's, it's so powerful. And so I think we do need to look at each piece of technology and not just throw out social media because it's the newest one. And I think that's what you're telling us we're doing. Oh, this happened with every new technology. Like, you know. And well, it does. So the, 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 critique isn't that, the critique isn't that all technology is the same. The critique is the anti-technology arguments are all the same. 
that the same case that's being made against social media has been made against every other form of technology in my lifetime and in, in most of the modern world. I mean, we were going to die if trains went faster than 30 miles an hour. Like, this is just how humans are. We just, there's a certain percentage of us, and it probably has much more to do with personality than anything that's actually real and factual based, that some people are, are, are on the, on the avant-garde side of things, and they're willing to experiment, and they see opportunity in, in new things and others are afraid of them. And I don't think that's a positive or a negative. I think the world needs both of those kinds of people and probably the world's better off with fewer of the, of the progressives, um, depending on the situation. But, but I think that's really what, when we have this conversation, it's a, it's an analysis of the personality of the person who's speaking much more than an accurate analysis of what the facts of the case are. But I, I'm not conservative by any by any metric. No. But like, the, it's not but my the personality. Appeal in this case, is a conservative appeal. No, it really isn't. Well, it is right. Like MeWe is MeWe is newer so, than Facebook. The essential argument is that we're too well connected. We can't get along. That is not the essential argument. That's not even remotely what I, anyone I've ever heard critique Facebook has said. Well, what's the alternative? Roll, roll back social media so I don't have connections to all the people that I do have connections that I potentially have problems with? The alternative is to build a social media platform. And there's like that we have all the tech to build anything we want in the social media realm, essentially. The, the, the key is to, and, and there are people working on this. The key is to use products that have a business model that in which you the user are the customer in which they serve the interests of the average user who's who's using who's using it in other words to where the the product itself is aligned where the incentives are aligned that is not the case with facebook there are more but advanced platforms the here's there the are basic. more advanced platforms that have or, or more recent platforms that have different business models that don't do the harms that Facebook does because of that. It has nothing to do with conservatism. But, that, but that's a completely, you're making a completely different argument, Joe, because what you're saying is Facebook is implementing social media technology in ways that are actively harmful, which is completely different than an anti-social media argument. Right. Exa exactly. That's like, that. that's, I don't have, I don't have, an inherent um, bias against social media. Well, I then kind of th do. That, that's a different uh, that's a different set of arguments. Uh, then, and, and it, I, mean, I think there are downsides argument. to it. I think there are downsides to social media, and it needs to be handled properly. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons. If you're going to use it, you need to use versions of it that are not actively malignant. But but I think that what what feels a little Pollyannic about that is that. If the problem with Facebook is that I'm I'm being um, as the product of the service, the engagement, my engagement in the platform is the commodity. If I was the customer, aren't I going to single out those echo chambers just like I would in the in the opposite model on Facebook? Like who's going on MeWe that left over the Trump election that's hanging out with liberals? The difference is that no one is is actively having content pushed into their feeds because an algorithm has decided that 
based on its on it on the algorithm knowing more about you than you know about yourself that this specific piece of content is going to capture your attention and hold you on the app longer than you chose to be there that like at content you did not seek out um that is that is designed to hook into your specific psyche in ways it with with no goal other than to keep you keep you scrolling longer like and that you don't is think that, that a customer-based model has all the exact same incentives like no, Again, it doesn't take who, who are all those Trumpian insurrectionists on MeWe hanging out with on MeWe? They're hanging out with the people they choose to hang out with. And they're sharing Ben Shapiro is... articles and they're sharing mm -hmm. Trump election fraud articles and they're doing all the same things. They're in the same dark spiral on MeWe that they were on on Facebook. No, no, they're not. They're not spiraling at all. They're hanging out with exactly who they choose to hang out with. And that stays completely static, completely static as long as they as long as they stay there if they see something else it's because somebody that they are already connected to shared it with them and that they're already voluntarily associating with they are never going to see a piece of content that's being shoved at them because an algorithm decided that it would keep them that that it would outrage them more and keep them there longer than what they had chosen to look at well and that's I mean, what happens all the time on so Facebook. I, I, I see things I, that come from places I've never, I've never sought out at all. Websites well, I didn't know slave, exist. But I like that stuff. I like being introduced to stuff from my algorithm that I wouldn't have found on my own. Well, maybe it's time for an intervention. <laughs> I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I, uh, I would have you like, I'm just like, hey, where have you been my whole life? You know, why, why wouldn't you like that? I mean, one, one argument you can make is that God designed humans to interact in certain ways and we're complicated in our social relationships. And when something comes along that disrupts that and feeds the baser of our instincts, which I think you can make very good arguments that that's what Facebook and these social media accounts And do. the internal combustion engine. No, that does not feed your base. Your For instinct. sure it does. If I get in a fight, I just walk out the door and get my car and drive. If I don't like my if I don't like my job and if I don't like my family, I can drive to the other side of the country. The Amish literally make this argument all the time. So, not only that, not only that, I'm a really, really environmentally conscious guy. You know, I drive a Prius at home and and I and I and I'm a conservative driver in most ways. And like I really don't like I don't get road rage, stuff like that. But one time I rented a car and I just took like a grab bag, whatever they gave me for a few hours, I was driving a Mustang GT and, and when I got stuck on a winding country road behind a Prius in that thing, um, that was a completely different driving experience. There was something inside me. I didn't know was there. Like I wanted to go places and what is the, like, what business does this guy even have on the road? <laughs> and, and I'm that so, way with bicycles all the time. <laughs> well, it doesn't surprise me, but, but you, you know, you have less self-awareness than some of us like Titus and me. Um, but, but so, so yeah, like the internal combustion engine did that like to a whole generation of young people. I mean, multiple generations of them. It changed um, our it brains, change. it changed our social structures, it changed everything about our lives. Mm -hmm. So, Matthew, I think that the better way to have this discussion would be to just address the actual arguments we're making rather than saying, oh, the same argument was made for everything and, and eventually everyone accepts it. Like, 
that it's it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf situation so eventually when the wolf came everyone actually did get in trouble it's it's not actually a sound <laughs> argument to just say oh this argument's been made a million other times like you have to still i think deal with the argument on its own merits because i think you would agree that te- different forms of technology are different unless you think that unless you're prepared to sit here and make the make the argument that every form of technology is amoral and and either yes. can be used equally for good or bad purposes including nuclear bombs and stem cell research and and everything and unless you're prepared to make that argument I am. You need to deal specifically with this conversation only and not like keep bringing in all the history. Uh, I, I, I think that I'm pretty close to that argument. Yeah. Like nuclear power, like nuclear fission is, has done way more good to power people's homes than, than bombs that have blown up. France is almost, Literally, I think, like three fifths of their power is from nuclear. Well, everything the earth It also enhances their well water. What, so, Dave? Go ahead, Dave. Everything on the everything on the Earth is powered by nuclear fusion. So, but but if if that's the argument you're making, the analogy is nuclear power. Um, then I think Math or Anthony's argument is pretty sound in that he's saying social media can be a force for good, but the the Facebook algorithms are like the nuclear bomb, and MeWe is like a power plant. <laughs> there is. I think that's a much better conversation to have than mm-hmm. why I always recoil against the anti-social media narrative is because it always sounds like cranky conservatives who just don't like the world as it is. And 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 the I feel like the 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 anti-social media perspective is built off of the same logic as the anti-electricity perspective of the Amish. Like or the anti-internet perspective of the conservative Mennonites. Like it's the same, it's the same argument in, in different clothes. And, and the reason I think that's a valid argument against that argument is because it has the same effect. So if you, if you, don't, if you think that electricity is tying us to the world, then you go the other way and you live in obscurity. If you think that the internet is dangerous and we don't have the tools morally or psychologically to handle it, then you go the other way. And if you think that we don't, we can't handle social media because it's intrinsically wrong, then you go into obscurity. And I don't think that I don't think that the church or God's people are supposed to go into obscurity. I think that we're supposed to continue moving forward with the rest of the world. So he, here's, I'm just going to explain like my experience. Um, I, I'm basing what I'm saying more off my experience. So if we would go back to the analogy of nuclear power, I think social media is similar to that. We ju- say we just discovered nuclear power and I, I don't have any idea how this works, but we're like blowing stuff up as, as we're trying to figure it out, which is probably not what happens. Where they yeah, it's definitely what happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so that that's what it, it feels like is happening right now with social media. And we're like, oh my goodness, well, this isn't working. Well, this is creating huge problems in society. And and I all I'm saying is we need to look at those things carefully. We need to carefully look at how addictive it is, how it's proven to cause more depression and anxiety, especially in teenage girls. Um, we need to look at all these these negative things that are happening and potentially find the positive thing. Like I I reactivated my Facebook account. I, I check it every couple of days. I, I think that there is potentially a redeemable use for it. 
I'm just really careful because I know how negatively affected my life. Now, I also have, uh, am pretty much a self-diagnosed uh, religious OCD person. Um, and so I'm, I have an oversensitive conscience. And so that, that could maybe be playing into this. Um, somehow that didn't keep me from getting a tattoo. But uh, I, I acknowledge- just when you maybe want to I'm, count on it, it goes away. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just putting myself on a guilt trip because I'm, I'm trying to be a disciplined person and social media is, is not helping me with that. So I, I, that could be part of the equation. But I, I think also that we, we, we just need to, like, this is a powerful tool. We're just discovering it. We don't have ancient wisdom on this. Um, we, it, it, it's future generations, are, are they going to look back and be like, man, they just dove into this and had no idea. I mean, just the fact that like Mark Zuckerberg is one of the most powerful people on earth right now because of this invention. It's crazy. So we just need to, if it's like nuclear power, we need to think carefully about potential problems, including like divisiveness that maybe we've all contributed to um, and, and take a step back a little bit, which is what I'm trying to do. My concerns with social media are more about purposeful manipulation or ideological manipulation. Like when, when you conglomerate a whole audience, the potential to manipulate that audience, like the ability for Facebook to, to curate what people see is a, is a real, like, I think in terms of, of human flourishing, that has a lot of dangerous potential. I mean, for Amazon to, to eradicate all markets, except for, you know, their digital online presence is a real like potential risk for society writ large. Like, but those are very big issues that I have very little to do with. And I, I don't know that there's, there's any place for me. I, I don't, I don't know what my, like, again, without, without just saying I'm taking my ball and going home and losing out on the opportunity to engage in the, in those marketplaces, social and ideological and otherwise, then, then I don't know, like, I, I don't know who has that, who, who turns those keys, but I know it's not me. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of, it, it, it's its own kind of Pollyannic position to, to ignore the potential for that. And I think that just like anything else, just like food or your car or, or anything that's in our lives, having personal discretion, knowing yourself and, and exercising personal discipline are all things that all Christians should always be mindful of and doing. I, I took a, I don't know, seven or 10 day, I shut down my Facebook. And the reason was, what was the reason? I was, home, oh, I was in quarantine. Uh, and I was like, if I don't, if I stand, cause there was a bunch of drama going on. And I was like, man, if I don't shut this down, I have a bunch of stuff I got to do. And if I'm just sitting in my office quarantined, I'm just going to waste all my time on the chats and on, on Facebook. So I told everybody, Hey, I'm going to shut it down for, for a week here. And, and I was, I, I was shockingly disappointed with the results. I ended just up like wasting. someone coming off drugs and <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> this I'm is shockingly not the disappointed. they told me about I, I didn't feel enlightened. I didn't feel productive. I just felt like I you never do much time in a less entertaining way. There you go. <laughs> Sounds like that's exactly off. how it is, Matthew. It gets better after six months. <laughs> well, I, I'm not so sure. Teen Challenge can help you with that. <laughs> I feel like um, I want to circle back just a little bit to uh, to respond to your argument, Titus, that 
that you have to accept the um, the the argument on its merits rather than applying saying this is like you said this is the same argument because one thing that happens from the perspective of people that are making that argument they make the argument based on human nature and human nature is such this new technology is going to blah 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 because humans are built this way and when you say well this same argument is was used 100 years ago and you say well that's not a fair argument that's not a fair thing to shoot down the argument well you you're using the argument that they used of human nature, the way that human nature doesn't change and people are people. So it's fair to say, um, if, if, you're, if you're using a line of argument that was used 100 years ago, um, to me, the failure of that, um, the failure of those grave dire warnings to materialize um, or, or the, 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 the grave disasters that come to fruition is proof that probably this time as well, um, because these arguments are made on human nature, because people are built certain ways and our brains are developed are designed certain ways. Um, but uh, people adapt. That's that's one of the things that we probably do best. And and I realize and I hear the arguments. You know, when kids are typing now instead of writing by hand, and your brain processes differently when it when it writes as when it um, you know when you do it by hand. Well. I imagine, and, and they didn't know brain science back then, but I imagine back when they did hieroglyphics before they went to, um, you know, script, um, and, and, and further on when they went from the handwritten manuscripts to the, to the printing press, that there were brain changes that took place based on the fact that people are doing this all the time. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We, we adapt to the environments that we're in um, I agree that looking at anything and saying, hey, look, you know, how is this, how is this affecting my life? What is this doing? Um, I, I have a rule that I try to live by, just simply don't do stuff you don't feel good about. Um, and, you know, if you're doing something and then later on you don't feel good about it, have enough self-awareness to look and say, every time I do this thing, I don't feel good about it later. Maybe I should stop doing the thing. Um, and I, that, that's, that's helped me in my life a lot in a lot of different things. Um, and, and, and it really helped short circuit this thing rather than talk about the morality of stuff. Like Paul says, all things are lawful, not all things edify. We can sit here and talk all day about morality and what, what's the moral undergirdings of our position. But at the end of the day, if it's not helping you, if it's not building you up, you're later on, you're not feeling good about it. You should probably not do it. And then you don't have to worry about the 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 philosophical moral element. So um, that's yeah, that's a little kind of where I come from with some of that. I'm interested. I, I feel like we've all kind of laid out our frameworks there, and um, but but I'm interested in what you wanted to pursue in light of that, Titus. Talk to me about divisiveness. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it'd be good to pivot to that. Um... So there's a lot of, of New Testament passages about divisiveness, and especially like in the list of, of heresies and um, sins that keep people out of the kingdom, often they're included. I should have looked them up, but I'm sure all of you read your Bibles, so you're aware of that. So I, I think that's something we should take seriously. And I guess the, the way I'll frame the question is, if a lot of what we were doing 
to the dank kingdom but 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 even more than that like what when we would rally the troops and like go on some conservative road status and like fight um if that wasn't divisiveness then what was i guess so like how it those verses are are prohibiting something right, right. um what are they prohibiting if not that? Like, how is how is those sorts of things justifiable? And I, I'm not saying that theological debate is not ever appropriate because I, I do it fair, a fair amount. Um, but there has to be a healthy and an unhealthy way to do it. And I'm just curious what you guys think about that. Well, there there's a story in uh, Paul refers to in the book of Galatians where um, Peter, Peter was... Um, you know, eating ham sandwiches with a group of Gentiles, and uh, along come some Jews, and the Jews have enough, um, putting enough pressure on on Peter, or he feels the pressure, um, and so he stops hanging out with the Gentiles and eating ham sandwiches, to the point that even Barnabas gets dragged into it. Barnabas is the sweetest person in the New Testament, so you know there's a, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of um, something gets on a ship apparently rides from wherever he is all the way to jerusalem walks through the gates walks down the street goes to peter's house and gets in his face and tells him what you're doing is not okay now if that would have happened in 2020 he could have saved himself the trip and done it with his smartphone <laughs> um and just said hey you know what and so the the confronting of somebody especially in the case where there is a lot of um, where there's a lot of pressure being put on somebody to um, to stand up to that I think is an appropriate part of being part of the family of God and I remember a case and I'm not going to name names um, but some of you watching may may know what I'm talking about where there was some where, where a good friend of ours was being put on a lot of pressure by a group of people and kind of ganged up on and so one or more of us showed up and spent several hours um, giving some support and helping out there. And to me, that I feel like I couldn't get in my car and drive to another state and make that happen. But I felt like it was doing the same thing that Paul does in that case, which is just standing up and saying, I'm not standing for this. I'm not standing for you with your legalistic perspectives. Um, crushing somebody else under the under your heels i'm not i'm not okay with it i'm not going to go along with it and i'm going to actively resist that um so that that's what i feel like is i mean that that's part of being part of the kingdom as far as i'm concerned i'm certain that um all of the horseplay that goes along in the meme community is not um <laughs> sanctioned activities like i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to make a blank check for for all the humor and trolling that goes on in the meme community but what i what i would say is that i think that it misses the point a little bit to talk about um divisiveness from that individualistic perspective what what i mean by that is that in the early church where, where schism was a mortal sin, they were very clear about what schism was. So 
when uh um what's his name the rival pope and the rival bishop in in um in rome uh can't remember his name anyhow you, you start a new church like that's a schism you you separate people into categories and you say we're on this side you're on that side the mediators versus the vegetarians the the east versus the west these are the kinds of things that are contextualized schism and division even the immediate example in corinthians is oh you guys over there are sea fights and we're paulites and uh, you know the uh, the apollons are over there like that that's what i think the immediate context scripturally for these passages about division and that's what that's what the peter dissension was as well is creating these subcategories within within the church where we create new senses of identity apart from christ that that's the that's i think the root sin of of division and schism from the bible that we should be most concerned about having an interpersonal conflict i don't think is is the main target of that of those texts I'm yeah. not saying that interpersonal conflict is good. There's other scriptural ways to remedy interpersonal conflict. I'm just saying I don't think that's what those passages are worried about. I think that's fair. Um, I think it's a little bit apples to oranges to compare what what Paul and Peter did, or what was it what Paul did to Peter? Yeah, um, with with what goes on in the comment sections because they had a relationship. It was uh, like there's a lot at stake, um, but but I can see how you're comparing them. I, I guess um, I, I did want to make one more point, and that's that this came up. I, I think Sky Jishani said this on the Holy Post podcast, but this idea of of using strong language. I, I think there's a couple of things that that fall into kind of a similar bucket. One is kind of using strong language to rebuke your ideological opponents like jesus called people snakes paul said that he wishes people would emasculate themselves like throughout scripture we do see this occasionally mm -hmm. and then we also see mockery used occasionally um you know elijah with the, the prophets of baal and um, even in the new testament as well and, and we see jesus clearing out a temple right so so there's kind of these examples of, of this this harshness but I think it takes, and this is what Sky said, I think it takes a lot of maturity to be able to use those, those tools redemptively. And I think if you are using them redemptively, you probably won't need to defend it. It'll just, it'll, it'll just come out of that maturity and it'll be obvious that it was used appropriately. So I think when people use like these rare examples, I, I think they are outliers, they're anomalies these examples of, of people using these tools of mockery or, or harsh language that the rule is the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, and especially kindness. So if that's the rule, then, then mockery and, and harsh language should be outliers. And I think that they should only be employed very carefully and under a great deal of maturity. Um, I'm not sure that I have enough maturity to do that. I, I think I've created damage by using those tools and, and back to like our original conversation, I think Facebook exacerbates that and, and brings that out of me even more. Like I would, I would never use the kind of biting sarcasm uh, with like 
someone who's sitting in my truck working for me, who's not a Christian, who I'm trying to, to win over, or someone who claims he's a Christian and he's, he's a conservative bro or someone. Um, now, now, maybe if I was in public debate with them, I would. And so maybe it's just different contexts and, and it is appropriate. I don't know. But yeah, just those are a few of my thoughts on that. I, I think that there's some, there's some uh, personality and, and, and gifting differences in all those things. Some people have a higher threshold for their tolerance for using that kind of discourse and receiving it. And I, I don't know that that's a negative. In fact, as a church planter, looking out at what, what makes for a successful like church origin, one of the things that, that I look for is someone who has a bit of that edge, especially at the, at the inception of a church someone who can very clearly and very easily draw lines and say, this is within and this is without. W without those kinds of people, um, especially the interests that bring around an, an, a new work in the Christian community, which are, you know, love for people and a desire to help and, you know, kindness and all these things, without somebody to set lines and, and to observe them and to encourage the community to. And I think that's, and there's a there's several different ways in which the word prophet is used, especially in the New Testament, but even in the Old Testament, the, there's there's at least it's the one universal in in the spiritual gifting lists, and those are three very different lists. When you look at Romans 12, and First Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, prophecy is on all three of them, and I think that those my, my personal opinion is that those three lists are 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 listing very different qualities. And the fact that profit is on all three of them means that there's kind of a prioritized place for people who can call God's people to faithfulness. And it requires a certain kind of metal um, in those people. And, and I think that I'm inclined to believe, although I don't have any statistical way to verify it, I'm inclined to think that those people are supposed to be a minority. Like they, they were historically in Israel um, but, but we, we usually hear from them, like they're a, they're a, they're a vocal minority. And I think that those people rub people wrong because there's something built into them that they don't care what people think. Like that's, that's kind of the premise. Like I have an, a, a, a proposition, hopefully it's a truth proposition and I don't care how you feel about it. You're going to hear it. And I don't mean to say that that if you're if you're if you have that kind of gifting that it's a blank check to be a jerk to everybody. If you want to be effective at using those gifts, you have to learn how to do it in ways that people will hear. But I'm just saying that there's a spectrum of people's of people's giftings, and some of those are have a very high threshold for that kind of discourse, and some giftings have a very low threshold for that discourse. And and the problem on social media is that outside of the context of an interpersonal relationship, you don't get to, you don't get to observe and notice and, and respond to all those various, various, you know, capacities and personalities. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with, with it. <laughs> I like, if, if I get it from you, for example, I, I know you and so I have context for it and I, I don't mind like, 
the way we we interact with each other i'm just concerned about the people who don't get it and who are like turned off by it and maybe- some people are and i i i i get i get called out on that issue from time to time in fact i just had a conversation with a young woman the other day um who reached out to me over some of the over some of the um zionism stuff that i've been posting on and my defense is that you know i i have protracted discussions with people i invest time and energy in making the case for it's bad to murder innocent women and children and oppress people in apartheid states and 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 dispossess them from their homes and their land like i think those are generally bad things but i'm willing to have a discussion because I realized that a it's complex and b there's a lot of ignorance and c there's historical concerns that not everybody's mindful of. So I'm willing to engage in those conversations, but when it comes down to just wrestling over ideologies, I'm not afraid to tell people that's sick. Like it's sick to prefer Israel because of some ideological dispensationalist position to dead women and children like that is it's literally sick it's literally a, 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 an unchristian attitude to have that offends people and i don't mind that it offends people and i also don't mind that everybody doesn't love that i'm i'm willing to offend people over those issues like all of those things are okay mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely complicated um i'm i'm still trying to work through it all i i definitely had some bad experiences with the, the church we were part of before we we joined followers the way where i would post something somewhat controversial and if any of you are are watching hi um <laughs> but my my entire church at the time would like lay into me in the comments and then all the dank kingdom people would come in and argue with them i was like huh this is really odd all these people on the internet are, are fighting all my, my church people. Uh, <laughs> so maybe I just have some trauma <laughs> from all that. I don't know. Do you feel like those conversations were A, not fruitful or B, divisive? I, I think so, but I, I'm not sure. And I'm, I'm willing to grant your point that different people might be called to different things. Like I... I was telling Drew this recently. I basically have two things I, I tell the church. Pray and make disciples. That, that's kind of what I come, come, come around to. And, and so I think that that's my goal. That's what I want to inject into the church is the spiritual disciplines and, and outreach, essentially. Whereas you, Matthew, are, are really into like promoting the historic faith and getting doctrine down to the, a T in literally everything from Christmas to the patriarchy. So we probably have different goals and I'm not really going to inspire a broad range of people to get on their knees. If I'm always arguing on Facebook. Right. Um, so maybe it's just a, a different calling. I don't, I don't know. Um, and, I think but that I, that's true, I think, but I don't want to, I don't want to sanctify thing. Like I, I really am cautious to not like anybody who's a jerk on social media is just a prophet. Like I don't, I don't like that yeah. notion. I, I do think that um, that it's it's kind of hilarious to me <clears throat> that some of the same people 
that are, um, and I'll just use an example. Um, I have seen more and heard more about Pride Month from anti-gay people this month than I have from anybody else. Right. And it, it, it's it hilarious in a, um, in a very kind of bitter, sarcastic kind of way that those, some of those people that um, are always bashing Pride Month and bashing the gay community and have plenty to say about it um, and that I feel are being offensive, well, they're being offensive because of the truth, are the same people that have an issue with the dank group, with the, with the, the spirit of the dank groups. And I, I just, I don't know where you get off at that point because, and the, the, the response is, if you say, we well, guys are being offensive, you guys are saying stuff, you don't have to say it that way. Well, they're, they're just being, the truth is offensive. And that's always the defense. And so like, it's, to me, it feels like there's, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, it feels like there's a huge overlap between people that have a problem with people being sarcastic online and also are continually um, preaching um, in really offensive, abrasive ways. And so like, I, it feels, it feels like a, it feels like a, it doesn't feel like a, like an argument in good faith to me. You're just describing tuna. <laughs> People well, who don't yeah. have senses of humor. <laughs> right. It's interesting. Like I, I find I find it kind of odd to be even saying these things because like I mean I I was part of the Dank Kingdom meme group when it started and when everyone else was like saying You're the reason it on. exists, Titus. I always put the blame on you. Yeah, I suggested it and Curtis started it. Curtis and, wants and, the blame and I always it, and I always put it on you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I um I was very defensive of it for the first while and, and, and justified it. And and I I'm yeah, I'm just kind of rethinking that and, and trying to figure out um the, the best route forward. I also tend to to kind of swing a lot and change my mind a lot on, on certain things. So I'm not the most stable person, but I, I do think like some of those people who came on early on was like, oh, what, what's all this sarcasm and, and all that? Like, I think the way they went about it was kind of dorky and they had problems, I'm sure. But I think there actually is something valid to it. I, I think we can be funny and we can be edgy and we can still be kind. Um, and I, I guess, yeah, that's, that's the basic point I'm trying to make. Yeah, but you're a happy danker, so. Yes, happy dank. Long live happy dank. Can we let's talk about that? Should we tell our our faithful audience that we were cons that we had conversations about scrapping dank? You did? No, you did. I'm I'm we, trying to remember. We talked about changing the title of the show. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to get a sponsor, and uh, they they were not a fan of our the, the title of the show because dank means is a descriptor for weed. Is dank like when 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 you say dank meme, is that kind of like saying that meme is dope? In that yeah. you're okay, but but here's here's my question: Is it is, is it just a, a way of saying cool, or is it like saying that that this meme is is similar to weed? In in that like, but like I'm I'm trying to see how much it. Not that it doesn't offend me. Like I don't really care right. either way. Um, but I think we could be better apologists for it if we would just say, oh, dank in the context of memes just means they're kind of obscure, weird memes. Um, 
Whereas if it's if it's kind of like the word dope, I, I guess dope would, um, I mean, it just means that's cool, but it, it, it definitely has pretty heavy drug connotations. It certainly comes from that culture, but all of like all of us that grew up in the like we used dope all throughout the '90s and early 2000s, and nobody was talking about illicit substances. It was just a it was slang for that had come from there that was being used in a, in a broader way, the way slang does. I think that my, I, ha, I don't, I, I haven't changed my sentiment any, I don't mind the rub. Like, I think, I think it's good to push buttons some places. Uh, and again, you know, you can't, if you make your whole life out of that, you're, you'll live a messy life, but, but you got to be able to push somewhere and in, in with humor and online culture and memes that seems like is as fitting a place as any to push, push that button. Waiting on you to use the word dope in a followers the way sermon. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not a common, it's, that's the thing about slang. It sounds stupid if you use it too late. Yeah. Yes. Anthony, are, 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 do you have any wise words? I feel like mostly been me and Matthew here with some blankie. You think Dank is still well, worth I, it, Anthony? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think there was, you know, it's the nature of the medium that there, there's a rapid evolution. Like it's right. kind of a weird hyper, um, um, what's the word a kind of buzzed social experience um, in in trolley online communities um, and and so like at the beginning of the dank kingdom meme group we ha we had you know none of us knew if it was going to go anywhere that amounted to anything and I remember you saying you know not not long into it that you expected it to kind of Die have out. a short life and, and die out um so it's sort of you know gone through a life whole life cycle become right. different things at different times for a few months and um and yeah i think i think it's worth talking about you know what is this show uh, what are we here for and um and what is it that the dank like we we talked about in our opening show what you know the dank kingdom is i think that i think that some some things were actually clarified and a community identified one another that have certain things in common that you know are 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 worth acknowledging um and so my main interest is what was it that what is it that the dank kingdom um, phenomenon taught us um, what did it what did it surface that was useful out of the whole kind of kingdom culture um, that was beneficial that was good for the kingdom of God and what did it you, you know and, and and to be able to carry that on in whatever way is most effective um, and I don't know if you know if the title um, that we started out with is, I, that, that's my question is that the most effective way or isn't it and because because i think there's there's definitely like you said that edginess 
was part of Christianity to begin with. The fact that there were at least some people within the movement who were able to really create meme um, presentations of right. what of what they believed. You know, like the like the Book of Revelation, for instance. Like right. that's that that's an entire book of the Bible that's basically a meme, right? Um, Designed and, to be a meme. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, hey, guess what? You know, pay attention. The number of the beast is 666, you know, and and like, you know, go figure it out. Like the whole thing is is built that way. And and um, so that and that that had a lot to do with the ability of Christianity to to grow and to capture the minds of the world. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about I'm excited about that and and about how we continue to connect um even if maybe some of us have less time to meme and troll um than we did at one point or or are lowering the priority of that what that taught us that um that we can do something with and how we take it forward here's here's my pitch i mean the pitch in our in our chat was basically a very matthew centric position like i don't care but there's a more i think thoughtful uh advocacy for something like dank in our titles um and it's this I, I ideology is an is a powerful motivator but it's it's not very good for tying a community together what i mean by that is that like capitalists don't all like each other like they have common ideologies <laughs> but they don't have they don't have a common community uh, my friend Felix, you know, he lives in this place that was that was built by the friends. It's called the Cambridge Co-housing Unit. It's a really cool place. Like there was a couple of old hippie Quakers in the 70s that were like, hey, let's make a community place. We'll have this really cool central meeting place and shops and all of a sudden we'll live in these little tiny apartments and we'll all have a, a community. It's a super rad setup, but there's nothing there anymore. There's no I mean. Now it's just old progressives and old New England progressives that don't like each other any more than they like anybody else around them generally. And there's no sense of community there because you have to have more than an ideology to create a community. And I think what something like the, the, the Dank group has done is that it set some kind of some kind of common standard. Like if you're willing to step over this, like in this world where where we talk this way and we do these kinds of things and we have this kind of sense of humor like there's something there to build a sense of community cohesion around like it's not just the i it's it steps past just like uh like kcfsg where it's just an ideology into a culture and that culture makes mm -hmm. a place for things to grow and exist which is how you can have such an extreme variety of people, everyone from Dusty to T. Marty to Curtis to John Carlson. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are people who do not have the same ideology at right. all. So and, and then, yet they, so they weirdly the feel like way, they're part of one thing. It's gone yeah. the other way. The culture is more important than the ideology. Exactly. I think that is, that is very accurate. Which um, it is, it's kind of cool. It really is. Um, it's Maybe been I'll a have to tremendous experiment. <laughs> yeah. Well, the real question is, how are we going to compete with the sweatshop? Because 
And we don't Sweatshop want is, is the latest and greatest, I feel like. <laughs> That's by design. We want all the trouble over there. Is it part of the, the plan? Page. We'll keep the farm for fun. Is that part of the yep. plan? Yeah. That's mm -hmm. that's all part of Matthew's plan. It's a my my adminning responsibilities are much easier these days. Yeah. <laughs> are you gonna make me admin on the farm? No. <laughs> Never you don't have the chops to be an admin. <laughs> Yeah, it, I was an admin on, on the sweatshop for a bit. I don't know if I still am. Dusty got me in there. Yeah, or it's it's more an honor than anything else. <laughs> well, do we want to talk about our uh, do we want to talk about our plans for the show going forward, regardless of whether we adjust the title or something? Um, yeah, about. Uh, more features and so on yeah we were hoping to roll out some of those this round but the software wasn't working hopefully in the future we'll be able to accept live call-ins so basically i think there'll just be a button on the screen where you can say join live call and then you can submit a question or something you want to talk about and um if you're not curtis and potentially even if you are curtis we'll let you in and so yeah I think that'd be a great way. I mean, we usually have a handful of people who watch these things live and there's generally a, a pretty, pretty active chat session going on. So if people want to join us and, and talk to us live. I think we're going to be doing that like maybe in the last half of each show. And we're also just going to be doing this monthly. So does the third, the, if, if we do it the third Friday, that's kind of ambiguous. It should be either the first or the last, right? Um, Anyways, we'll announce that later, but we're, we're going to be doing this Fridays once a month. Of course, it'll be on YouTube and podcasts as well. Um, other than that, there's not a lot of improvements except for our icon uh, has changed, as, as you've seen. It's horrible. Uh, the worst. Anthony was, uh, was really in love with that. But the third Friday. I'm what? just curious. How is the third Friday ambiguous? Well, just because it's hard for people to remember, <laughs> but it probably is fine. It's, it's, you it's can put it on your calendars. It. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Which none uh, of us did except Matthew this time. <laughs> right. It's true. A little behind the scenes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm uh, between school years. And so during the summer, uh, there are many days where I don't even know what day of the week it is. So uh, much less the third Friday. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what your apps are for. Yeah, and we should Smart be able to, reminders. having a consistent schedule uh, and being monthly, we'll, we'll, we can be better about putting out some uh, advertisements for the upcoming shows. Mm -hmm. And it's a little easier for us to plan um, wh what the subjects will be so we can announce ahead of time. Yeah. So yeah, if people have topics, if people have topics they want us to cover, let us know. Hopefully we'll yeah. have a little more planned out for some of these episodes than we have in the past. All right. Good to be else? back with you all. Yeah, I have one other thing that, and this is way, it's going way back, but I've been wanting to say it. Um, I just, I just believe that if social media had been around when the apostles were doing their healings and their miracles and their preaching, I think, uh, I think Peter's sermon at Pentecost would have been live streamed. Um, and I, and, and honestly, um, I don't think the apostles would have live streamed it on MeWe. Um, they would have live streamed it where as many people as possible could see it. And I 
think they'd have been glad to get rid of it to them. So yeah, then it would have been censored. That's <laughs> nobody yeah. would have seen it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, people would have known it was true because it would have got fact checked. <laughs> I, I there think you there's go. a I think there's a truism behind that, Dave. I, I and I think that's probably why I come at this issue the way I do. It, it what I said at the beginning, I think, is true of, as true of me as it is of anyone. What what we're really analyzing is 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 you know kind of like a personal trajectory uh, for analyzing these issues. For for me, having spent m- m- the latter part of my adulthood um, trying to bring these ideas into the public eye through moving to Boston and being involved and pushing for media exposure and YouTube and Facebook and mm-hmm. things that in a, in a culture of people who weren't generally disposed to those things, this notion of being visible and present and public is a big part of what I built my life around. So I bring all those biases to these conversations when we have them. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. a big fan yeah. of monastic movements. So I bring that bias. I went through that stage. I got over it. Okay, thank you. I'm an anti-monastic. <laughs> Not condescending at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'm right. I wasn't intending I, to be. <laughs> no, I'm I'm balanced pretty much right between those things. You know, I have I can I can see the good things about monastic movements. I can also see the uh, the the ways that they can go overboard. Yeah, I actually don't. I just see myself very as very balanced on this subject. I'm mostly yeah, intrigued I know you don't. by, yeah. <laughs> How many children do you have under the age of two? But a, a great deal. <laughs> They're about to turn one. The twins are about to turn turn one, which means a month later Zion will turn two. How that yeah. works? <laughs> Wild. They're all under one still. Wow. No, Zion is one. The twins are are not. Yet. Oh right, right. They're all. But under they'll two, be. Yep. But they'll be the same age for a month. Three, right. Three, when 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 is their what month is their birthday? Uh, twins turn one June twenty sixth. Zion turns two July twenty one. I think. Yeah, that's neat. And get- so yeah, as far as the monastic train, I think that one's left the station. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. For you. All cool. right. Well, it's great to be back with you guys again. I missed you. Yeah, good to see. Yeah, you. I really enjoyed it. Good seeing you guys again. See you all on the Stay tuned, show. everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, we're supposed to advertise the Kingdom Outpost uh, because we're part of the That's Kingdom correct. Outpost. We need to talk about network. that a little bit. Yeah. So go to kingdomoutpost.org. Um, it's mostly free sister articles by Rebecca and her her cohorts, but there's some things that Matthew will approve of as well there. Um, yeah, go there. We're part Here of the podcast there. network. There's, there's lots of other podcasts there, too, if you like. Podcasts. Yeah, great content, articles, super good podcasts from all kinds of people. It's very diverse, um, and uh, it'll, get, it'll, get your, uh, it'll get you exposed to, the, to all the right ideas. And, and hey, if we're plugging, uh, Talking in the Chasms is going to be coming back online, too. Oh, yeah. Oh. Felix and I are both vaccinated now, so we can get back together in person. Cool, cool. Oh, we didn't discuss vaccines. How in the world did we miss? Has that? everyone has everyone been fully vaccinated? Everybody but Anthony. 
Oh boy. And I've on I'm on ivermectin, so I've got more protection than any of you. Oh boy. Another another topic for another time. I'm on lavender oil, so I'm more protected than you. Let, let's just let's just say this. Let's just say this podcast is probably gonna get taken off the air because I said that. <laughs> yeah. That oh was my. a forbidden word. All right. More next hey. time. All right, signing off. See you. All right. Good night.